0: Hey guys, welcome to the Kevin and Fred Show. My name is Kevin Kaufman. I'm your host, and I just want to say thank you for taking some time out to listen with us this week. Do me a favor, if you don't mind, before we get to today's guest, head on over to ratethispodcast.com. That is ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA. That stands for next level agents, rate this podcast.com forward slash NLA and leave us a review or just go to any podcast player that you prefer and uh, look us up the Kevin and Fred show. And please leave us a review. That is the best way to support our efforts here in the show. All right, let's get to today's episode. That's music. I would only use for the one and only Mr. Nick Waldner. Nick. Hey, what's what's going on, buddy? How are you doing?
1: Oh man, that music was incredible. It's much different from my normal walkout music, but I gotta tell you, I felt like a prince just being celebrated.
0: Okay, so I gotta know, like, and I'll I'll go and do a proper introduction here in a moment. What is your typical walkout song? I gotta know.
1: Oh man, there's so many. You you can go through. If you watch the Super Bowl uh, halftime show, yes. you can pretty much pick anything in that genre. Very typical.
0: You, you, oh yeah. Mostly Mary J. La- I figured as much. <laughs> it's either that or Tupac picture me rolling. I figured it was one <laughs> of those. <two. laughs>
1: oh, I love it.
0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Kevin and Fred show. Um, as you can probably already sense, this week's guest is a longtime friend of mine, Mr. Nick Walner. Out of I know it's not technically Baltimore, but can I say Baltimore? Is that okay?
1: Close enough. You think of the state of Maryland, that's us. And for those of you who do not know geography, East Coast, dead center of the country, right close to D.C.
0: Wow, that was very specific, Mick. I'm surprised.
1: I've been doing this a while. I've, I've had to explain where that is more than once. Like if I would ask you, Kevin, what is the state north of Maryland and what's the state south of Maryland? How would you answer that?
0: I would say next question please.
1: <laughs> okay, go ahead. You're you're running this show, not me.
0: I would say I want to phone a friend. Let me call my buddy Nick and uh and that's how I would do that. All right. Um all right, Nick, let's do this, man. So for the people that maybe don't know you yet, give us a give us a quick rundown of your real estate business, kind of just high-level overview and then I want to I want to kind of dive into dive into a few things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I've been selling real estate since 2002. So just under 20 years, I'm coming up on my, or maybe 2003, so 19 years, something like that. Um, I spent the first bulk load of my career in the sales, sales, sales. You got to work, you got to run, you got to work 24 hours a day. It didn't matter what time it was. You were answering emails, answering phone calls. i made a lot of girlfriends mad that, that walked away from relationships because I don't want to be a part of that. Um, and I did that for about 12 years before I started treating this like a business and started changing the way I looked at things. And all of a sudden I spend less hours in real estate and I make more money uh, because I'm working smarter, not harder. And that's been the last seven years. We're the number one uh, Keller Williams team in Maryland, Um, And then I've branched out to flipping homes, buying rentals, multifamily, syndication, you know, taking your vertical income and finding ways to make it horizontal.
0: I love that. That's obviously something you and I have talked about offline uh, numerous times. Specific to the real estate team, give us an idea of, say, transactions last year, how many people on on your team, just on the retail side. Let's start there and then we'll we'll kind of dive off into these other categories.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we have, uh, we did just under 500 homes in 2021. Um, we have today, it's uh, it's a little bit into 2022. We have 19 agents right now. Of those 19, I'd say six or seven are pretty brand new. They weren't really part of that production. So we're ramping up to have an even better year for 2022. And we're already, I mean, we're two months in and our numbers are crushing our numbers last year and our numbers last year were our best numbers ever.
0: That's awesome, man. That's, what do you attribute that to? Um,
1: I, I think that the average person out there looking for a career, it used to be our, our fathers and, and, and mothers used to look for that long-term 30 year, find a place to live or a place to work. And now it's like, I want to work somewhere that challenges me, that helps me grow not only professionally, but personally, that has some sort of cause or gives back or means something, I want to feel significance. And I think that we've created a great culture of that. And now we're attracting really, really high level talent that is just taking our business way beyond what I could have done.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's that's really profound when you think about that. Was there, a, was there a moment in time for you or like a decision point where you said, hey, we've got to get more, purposeful about doing a type of creating that type of environment or that culture?
1: Yeah, I think that, well, you know, one, I think part of your culture is a reflection of you. So if you're a naturally outgoing person, you're going to have an outgoing team. You that's why you see a lot of, um, you know, women run teams have a lot of women in it, or men run teams have a lot of men in it, we we're attracted to our mirrored image. So you see that but I think that that's a that's a mistake in terms of you should be building a team that has both men and women that have you know baby boomers generation x's millennials you should be going the whole gambit you should have people from every different race color creed because what we're finding is the average home buyer could be from any one of those sectors and you need people that are thinking, you know, our group think is so much better when we have a baby boomer who's telling us their opinion, and then we have a millennial giving their opinion, and then we can shape all those into our final decision. So I think it's important to just to to get out there and and really break up your team into, you know, what the the, the world population looks like now.
0: Has that some, has that always been something you valued, like thinking about different viewpoints or perspectives other than what maybe your own is or kind of like your own lane, if you will, or, Hey, I grew up like in a certain way, you always valued outside opinions.
1: I I can't say that I have, I think that's something that's evolved over time. And as you realize how important that is. And I think in the beginning, we just kind of, we, where we grew up and what we grew up in is kind of our bubble. And until you get out of this, uh, that bubble, you don't really understand it. And I remember it was probably it was probably a month ago, maybe two months ago, I got a phone call and a, and a woman said, you know, hey, Nick, I, I just want to let you know I've selected your team to represent us in our transaction, and I want to tell you why. And I said, great. And she said, I saw a picture, and you have a very diverse team, and that's the reason I chose you. And I, I don't know right or wrong. My response was, I really appreciate you saying that, but I want to make sure you understand that I have a diverse team of talented people. No one was hired for any other reason than they're really talented at what they do. And we don't, we don't have any thoughts of prior knowledge of what that person looks like or, or comes from. And we found people from all walks of life, from all areas that
0: can be really talented in the real estate industry. Yeah. I, I think that's awesome. You know, I mean, you're, you're sort of touching on a, on an almost, not almost, but definitely a sensitive subject, right? Mm-hmm. I think some people will go, yeah, well I'm only surrounded by fill in the blank, right? Race or gender. And, and that's because that's what, that's all, that's all that's around me. Um, but I think the the reality is if you say, Hey, I'm going to purposely look for, here's my, my baseline. It's talent, right? You got to be a good person. You got to be really talented, learning base, all the things that I might value in a coworker or employee or salesperson or whatever. And then also go like, let's get, get that from a diverse base of people. I, I think you yeah. give yourself so much more opportunity as well as them.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you just look at right now in the real estate world, it's like 34% of first time home buyers, that's the biggest uh, population of people buying homes right now is that 34% and they're all millennials. So if 34% of your team isn't millennials, you need to go out and start hiring millennials so you can learn the way they think, the way they what they're attracted to, the way you can market to them. I think it's a crazy to think like I'm going to know exactly how a millennial thinks. Like I grew up and like we got cell phones in college, super old. And these kids grew up at two. They were flying through their parents' iPhone without even thinking. So we think differently and we've got to put the right perspectives in our company so that we can help that broader group.
0: Yeah, you know, it's so funny. I was li- just listening to another podcast this morning with, uh, it was Tim Paris podcast and he's interviewing a guy named Morgan Housel who wrote an amazing book called Psychology and Money. At
1: first. Oh, Psychology Money, yep.
0: Amazing book, right? Um, and Morgan was sharing a some sort of stat around. They were talking about people that are on the board of directors for the world's largest companies, right? And the average age of these board members is something like in the mid-70s, which is great because you got people that have earned their way in. They've got this pedigree. They've got this track record of success. Hopefully, that's why they became a board member. But when you see the makeup of a board... You know, if that's if that's all you have in your boardroom and you're trying to figure out as a company, how do we go into the next decade, the next century? You know, I'm not sure that's your target group that you want to be able to lead you that way.
1: No, I somebody had put it um like a really good way that that um I don't I don't I like the way they said this. They said if you look at your uh, at the population who buys your product, and we're not talking about real estate here. We're talking about anything. So if you have, you know, it's seventy percent is women who buy this product, then your board should be at least seventy percent women to understand their perspective. We've all seen the movie What Women Want with uh, uh with yeah, what was that got Whatever it was, it was a great movie. It's I'm aging myself, but it was really good, and it was. He gets struck by lightning and all of a sudden he starts, can hear what women are thinking. And now he changes his entire perspective about how to market to women. Cause he's now he's starting to understand them, Yeah, you know, Mel Gibson, but that's the same thing. Like we should already be doing that. We should be putting people in a position to, to have direct impact on our company because of the people that were, you know, we're, we're going after the people that we're attracting.
0: Yeah. So true. All right. So let's switch gears for a little bit. Little known fact about Nick Waldner that I know, uh, former TV star, all time hunk. Uh, tell us, tell us about, tell us about the TV show. And uh, for those who don't know, Nick had uh, was it Waterfront Properties. Was that the correct name of it?
1: No, Waterfront House Hunting. It's Waterfront. on Hulu. If you haven't watched all four episodes. You just, you get 22 hours, you got a weekend coming up. I just want you to binge straight on through if you don't mind.
0: We're just going to have to link to that in the show notes. So <laughs> tell us about that show briefly, but then more importantly, I'd love to hear your uh, like story. Like, How did you get that opportunity? And then now looking back on it, would you do it again?
1: Yeah, great, great question. And I'll go the brief version, which is, I got a phone call like lots of agents get. Hey, we want to do this show. It's called My First Home. It's a different agent in every city, and it just changes every day or every uh, every episode. So I said, yeah, sure, I'd love to. And the key was when they called me, they said, okay, we need a client. Like, pitch us one of your clients because think about it. It's TV. They want a storyline. So I just thought in my head, like, all right, if I'm this person and I'm calling a bunch of agents and trying to find a, you know, somebody who uh, would be good on camera and fun to watch as an agent, and they have a client who would be fun to watch and entertaining, like that's a pain in the butt to call these people. So I called her back and I said, look, I've got nine clients for you. Here's the first one, here's the second one, this is the third one, this is a single mom, this is, and I just like started naming all these different client types and said, what are you looking for? And the last one I happened to say was, um, and my girlfriend's thinking about buying a house, and she's really like questioning whether she wants to mix business and pleasure and use me. And they were like, that one, we want that one. And I'm like, oh my God. So we shot the first episode, it went well. Uh, probably, you know, you shoot it, it's a, you know, four or five days, and you don't even think about it again. Like nine months later, I get a phone call, and it's like, hey, this is Joe out in LA, I'm a producer. Did you know you had the number one, uh, my first home in the country this year? And I was like, first of all, I'm, I'm this, is this Kevin? Is this Fred? Who's calling me? Like, I thought it was a joke. So I hung up on him. And then he called me back. And he was like, no, no, no. Google me right now. Go into IMDb. So we started talking. And then he started pitching me show ideas. And I didn't like any of them. I kept saying no, because he wanted to do like, oh, let's talk about all your crazy clients and what the wacky stuff they do. And I'm like, no, he's like, let's talk about your team. They're all sleeping with each other. It's, it's crazy. I'm like, no, and they're like, what about flipping homes? And at the time, I wasn't flipping very many homes. So I was like, that's not me. And then they approached me with waterfront house hunting. And I was like, that sounds good. Now, the TV show is easy to say yes to, right? Who, who doesn't want to give it a shot and be on TV? but you find out really quickly that the glamor life that you think is a TV star is so far from it. 12 hour days, six days a week. And I mean, when I say 12 hour days, it was like 7.00 AM go. And then we would hustle. And then it'd be like six fifty-eight, guys. Come on. We only got two minutes to finish out this shot. We got to finish by seven based on, bu-. and then we'd finish in 12 hours and we would do that six days a week with one day off and I can't tell you how many nights I was in a Holiday and Express, sitting at the bar, eating a dinner at nine o'clock at night with whatever random bartender, while my friends and family and everybody I knew was nowhere near me.
0: That sounds like it sucks.
1: <laughs> there was so so I want to I, I always want to give people both perspectives of that. Now, the, here's the other perspective. I went down to Key West to shoot an episode and they have an aquarium there. And the guy was like, oh my God, you're Nick from Waterfront House Hunting. Do you want to get in the tank and feed the sharks? Me? And they're like, yeah, you're the waterfront guy, sure. So I climbed in the tank, wore a glove, fed these sharks. Like, So I got to do some really cool stuff as well. But then at the end of the day, I'm sleeping alone in a Holiday Inn Express.
0: Yeah, that's rough. It's like that uh, saying I heard, um... A lot of people want to be rich and famous and should just try being rich first and see if that doesn't scratch the itch for you.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Now, best thing that ever happened to me with that TV show is it allowed me to finally let go of my business. So like most of us, I had a hold of my business and I was like, here, you take it. And I had people on my team trying to take it and I would not let go. And then all of a sudden I was traveling 26 or 27 days out of 30. And I would like fly home on a Tuesday night, fly back out Thursday morning. So I'd be home, like virtually none. I couldn't go on listing appointments. I couldn't work with buyers. I couldn't do any of that. I had to let go and let my team do what they were, what, you know, they have been trained to do.
0: Awesome. So what was that experience like for you specifically for the team of like having to give up control, if you will?
1: Yeah. Super scary. And then you want them to be perfect in everything they do. And they're not going to be, it's just not going to happen. And then they screw things up and you have to realize that every mistake is an opportunity for learning and not an opportunity to yell at them because, you know, you got that two mentality. So we started something called fail forward Friday, every Friday, everybody on the team had to say what they failed at this week what they learn from it and what they're going to do next week to improve or to not let that failure happen again or they could come and say this is my failure and Kevin I don't really know where to go with this help me
0: I like that so is that something you still do
1: Yeah yeah if you go to failforwardfriday.com inventor right here oh. I probably coined the phrase after reading it 9 times in 9 different books but I invented that and the question mark. Those are my two uh, claim to fame.
0: The question mark, nobody.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was part of me. No, I did that.
0: Uh, that's just like the thing that floats above your head at all times. Like to,
1: <laughs> Exactly.
0: Uh, okay. So looking back, there's obviously good and bad. If you were, if you had the opportunity to do it all over again, would you?
1: <sighs> um, I would not do it if I was traveling like that again. Uh, Because I'm now married. I have two kids. You know, we might be making a third soon. Who knows? We'll see how that oven goes. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun when I was single. In fact, I shot the the first 14 episodes, got back from my trip, and I literally proposed to my girlfriend, you know, probably two or three months later. Like I knew she was the one, and so I proposed and then about two months after I proposed, I got the call and they were like, you got picked up for season two and season three. We're going to shoot all 28 episodes. We're going to go do some international stuff as well. This is big. This is awesome. And I was like, how long? And they were like, it's going to be about 10, maybe 11 months of shooting. And I had just gotten engaged and my my fiance, God lover, was like, go it's it's what you've always wanted go do it and I'll see you you know I'll plan everything I'll see you at the altar and I really kind of had to wrestle with that and come to the decision of like do I really care about being a reality tv show star or do I care about getting married about having kids about being the soccer coach about being there for dinners and around for weekends. And, and so it wasn't a hard decision to say no to the next two seasons. And I got a lot of flack for it, a lot of flack.
0: I bet, I can only imagine. Um, all right, so let's shift gears for a minute. You, you mentioned earlier kind of in the intro, some of the other, I'll call it vertical, some of the other things mm-hmm. that you're doing business-wise. Let, let's dive into a couple of those. Like, what was the first thing you did like, okay, the real estate sales team is going well. Did you, was it flipping? What What was it?
1: Yeah, good question. So what I realized, and, and I just, I think I might've got this from a psychology of money, but I can't remember the term capitalpreneur. Have you heard that?
0: I have heard that. Yes.
1: I love it. It's, it's. So you have an entrepreneur, you go out and start a business, and you are the fuel of that business. And then you have a capitalpreneur that your money goes out and earns more money. And your money is out out there working 24 hours a day without you. So in our industry, we can make a lot of vertical money. There's a lot of money coming in, you sell a bunch of houses, some of you are sitting around and your average sales price 1.5 million, I'm about to throw up because we're at 300,000. But you're making a lot of money. But the second you stop real estate selling real estate is the second you stop making money. So how do you take your vertical income and turn it into that capitalpreneur, or you make your money work for you? So for me, it was like, you know, just if I was, it cost me $50,000 to live and I made a hundred thousand, then how do I get that 50,000 deployed into something? And that was kind of my first purchase. And it was buying a house. And this was back before they had the term house hacking. I bought a house, I put two of my buddies in the other bedrooms, their rent pretty much paid the entire mortgage. And then eventually I moved out and replaced myself. So now my first purchase actually became a rental property. And then I bought another house, put two people in that and didn't stay anywhere near as long. I was like three months and I moved out of that and put a third person in, and that became my second rental property. So I started growing like that, but I just set a goal for myself: can you buy one house every year? And if you do that over twenty years, that you're building a massive portfolio of homes. And now, uh, you know, now I'm at a point where I can buy three or four or five or ten in a year, which is somewhere I never thought would be possible when I first started.
0: Yeah, it's crazy when you look at what you can accomplish. It seems so easy, to like one a year. It almost feels like. I don't know. It's not even going to move the needle. I think is that, is that that was my first reaction. My my buddy, Christian Peter first said that to me in like 2012. He's like, just buy one a year for 20 years. Yep. And I was like, yeah, dude, I, I don't know. But the reality is, is all of a sudden you look up, if you actually can, can do that, you, you look up in even just five or 10 years and you go, oh my gosh, like there's, there's a lot of momentum. There's a lot of net worth built up. And now you've got so much momentum if you've done everything right. To you can effectively do whatever you want from that point forward.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like that that very first house I bought, I still own it to this day. I owe less than a hundred thousand on it. It's now worth four fifty, which is blows your mind from what I paid for it way, 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 way back then. And I'm getting twenty one hundred or twenty two hundred dollars a month in rent, and my mortgage is like. $800 or something crazy. So now I'm looking at that is like, that's more income. Now I'm making that 14 or 1500 every month without even thinking, without having to wake up, without having to sell another piece of real estate. What if I had five of those? What if I had 10? What if I had 20?
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty solid. Okay. So buying houses was kind of like the first progression. Yep. What, what happened after that? Or what was the next thing that you added?
1: Um, well, buying houses is is fun, but you also have to manage them and that's not as much fun. Um, so then I started looking at uh, syndications and syndications is basically there's somebody who finds a deal. So let's call it a you know 250 unit complex in El Paso, Texas, and it's 3.4 million. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't have 3.4 million to buy this. I didn't have 25 percent I't of that so, you bring together 10 or 15 partners and everybody puts money in there's one person who's a general partner they run it but it's 100 percent hands-off for me i put my money in it grows as they improve the property as they rent it for more the cash flows improve and then five years later we usually sell it and then we move on to the next one but my money leaves my wallet is gone for five years, but I'm getting residuals from it. And then it comes back bigger than I left it. And then I can do it again and again and again. And syndications is a great way to get into commercial where you don't have to have all the expertise. Your job is just to vet and choose the best syndicators because that's the, that's the big key. All
0: right. So I think the obvious question for most of our listeners then is, okay, Nick, that sounds great but how did you find that first syndication deal? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you get those opportunities? I think I know the answer, but I'm, I'm just, I, I would love to hear what your, what your response is. Yeah.
1: To. I think it's not, it's not any different than, you know, if, if I'm assuming most of the audience sells real estate in this group, right? Yeah. yeah. So where do you find most of your clients? Everyone's going to say the same thing, sphere of influence. It's the people I know, the people I'm connected to. It's the same thing here. So if you find out of your entire sphere, there's four or five people that are buying syndications and understand that type of investing. Those are the people you gravitate to. And what I found is like, now I've gotten to the point where I had somebody approach me with a syndication deal, the numbers look fantastic. And they sent me all the paperwork. And and I don't know how to read all that. It's 50 pages of nonsense. It's like, they write it so you can't read it. Um, so I took it to one of my advisors and I said, Hey, you know, I'm looking at this one. What do you think? And he was like, there's a 5% acquisition fee in here. It's a 50, 50, not a 70, 30. There isn't any preferred return. Yeah. All their numbers look good, but they're estimating that they're going to turn this five cap into an eight cap. And that's pretty hard. Like all of a sudden, like my eyes, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I thought too. So I'm not going to do that one. But in reality, I just had somebody explain all the reasons why I needed to say no. And then every prospectus I got after that, I was like, all right, what's the preferred return? Okay, what's the equity split? Okay, what's the and I started digging into a lot more just because I started to understand
0: it. Yeah. I, I think what I'm hearing from you is your sphere of influence matters. And I think a lot of so like I get the question a lot, like, why do not I want to go to this event or that event? There's just a bunch of other realtors there. I'm like, yeah. So you can learn from them. And find out what other people are doing. Right. I want to know, like, what, what is Nick investing in this month? You know, and is it possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do I go learn or, or how do I start to be able to look at deals for me? That's super valuable. And what, I, what I'm hearing from you is that, like, that's literally where it comes from too. It's just by surrounding yourself. with
1: those Yeah. People. And you, you and I talked when you, when we had uh, breakfast one morning in Vegas, after one of our speaking things, we were talking about crypto. And neither one of us are crypto geniuses. Neither one of us are like, oh yeah, I got it all figured out. But I knew I wanted to get into the space. So I did exactly what you said. I started reading out to figure out who do I know that's connected in crypto. And I ended up going on a trip with uh, 15 guys. And of the 15 guys, two of them run the biggest Bitcoin conference in the, in the world. It's being held in Miami, Diplo's playing. I mean, it's like this 30,000 person Bitcoin conference. And these are the guys that own that and have been running that for five or six years. So I got a chance to spend time with them. I didn't know them prior to the trip. We had all, as all entrepreneurs coming together that didn't know each other. So I got to know them. They set me up with like this uh, 21 days of Bitcoin, which is just an email every day that explains it a little bit more. And uh, if you guys, uh, I think if you look at the hashtag 21 days of Bitcoin, you can pull that up. But it was like eye-opening where I was like, oh, now I'm starting to understand it. Now I'm starting to get it. And for the longest time, I just kept telling myself, nah, that's not for me. That's not for me. And I've got a lot of friends that are now like, millions of dollars in that world and that's all they do and i think it's crazy as i learn more and more it's not as crazy as i thought
0: yeah well i mean i think just the again the fact that you put yourself in a position to be around people and to learn and to be open and go okay i might think one thing but let me get a different perspective i mean dude it goes back to your business let me get a different perspective other than this tunnel view i have in my life and yeah you reach outside of that I I think that's a super valuable lesson for people to hear you
1: know for um Kevin you probably don't know this story but when I was uh when I first got to uh KW and I joined and I was just a know-nothing agent that didn't have any production to get any awards or any of that stuff I remember finding out that Gary had his top 100 meeting where he met with all the top 100 for like three hours and they poured into all different subjects. So I fought my way to where it was located. And then as Gary was walking up, I ran up next to him and I said, hi, Gary, I'm Nick. You don't know me at all. I've never been here. I just started at KW. I really love your company. I really love everything I read in the book. If you could just let me in here, I'll sit in the back. I won't say a word. I'll just be a fly in the world. I just want to listen. And he said, come on in. And I was like, oh, okay. So I rushed in, sat in the back and I started writing, started taking notes. And you guys were talking about things that I didn't understand at all. I'm writing. I'm like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. So then I stopped. I was like, wait a minute. I'm just going to write down their names. And I'm like, Kevin Kaufman, short sales. Got it. And I started writing down names. And then I friend requested all those people. And then I started a relationship. And that's how we started being friends. Is I reached out and I was like, man, what are you doing? What, well, one, why don't you wear shoes? And then two, like, tell me about your business. And I started learning from the things you were doing. It helped me grow mine. And I did it again and again and again and again. It's the same reason why, if anyone calls me, I'm always willing to share anything because I stole it all from somebody anyway. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's, I was, nothing new under the sun, nothing new.
1: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Exactly.
0: All right, dude, as we start to wind down, let me, let me ask you this as we, so you, as you mentioned, we're recording this. It's first week in March, 2022. What are you most excited about this year?
1: Ah, good question. Um, you know, this, this is going to be a different answer. I think my, my most excitement this year is in letting go more and more and more. So I've hired a director of growth he does all our recruiting, all our interviews. I come in at the end when he feels like he found, found talent so I can you know vet them and, and uh, make the final decision. I've got a director of operations and they are running everything on the operations side. And we're having conversations a couple of times a week to check in, but it's not me doing it. Um, I brought in an amazing new assistant who just started. He graduated and like literally two days later started with me and he's just been on my hip for like the last two months now. And it has been like phenomenal watching him grow. And he's been in every coaching conversation. He's just been with me over and over and over and over again so we can understand, you know, how my brain works and what I think. And I think Brett Tanner did a really good job. His guy has been with him for like nine years, came right out of college. So just like we talked about seeking those other people, I found Brett and his guy, they've been together nine years now, right out of college is where he found him. And I peppered them with questions about how I could help our relationship with my assistant and we could work together and we could grow together and how he could succeed and what were the benefits and like all that stuff so that I can learn from somebody who's already doing it. So I think to me, like letting go of business stuff and putting the right people in place and watching them do it better than I did it before. It's it's humbling and it's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's also, I think it's the scariest thing. Probably, you know, so many of us are just such high, have a high need of control that we can never yes. to let go to the, so we don't get to the point where, where you're at now, which is cool. What else can I let go of? So that way I can, you know, who else can I bring into my world? The more I give up, the more, the more people I can bring into my world, and more I can go focus on other things too.
1: Yeah, and, and here's, this is, I loved, I learned this somewhere, I can't remember where, but a, a guy came in, he wrote on a board and he wrote control And then he wrote controls with an S. And he said, does anybody know the difference? And we're all looking at each other. It's a pretty simple answer. One has an S. And he says, one, control is what you guys all want. You don't want to let go of anything. You always want to be the one to do everything. You want to make sure it's done right. So you want control over it. But you're also the bottleneck to every part of your growth if you're the only person who can make decisions. So what you need to do is set up controls. I'm not telling you to give your business to somebody else. I'm saying, give your business and say, these are the parameters. I need to see this. I need to see these numbers. I need to see this. I need to, you need to always follow this model. Whenever this happens, this is what, and like all of a sudden, when you start putting controls in place, when something happens, they follow your controls. So they're basically doing it the way you want them to. It allows you to let go.
0: Yeah. uh, That's so good. All right, man, I I think that's a good one. That's a good uh, story slash lesson to end on. Um, Anybody who wants to reach out to you or kind of learn more about you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah, uh, social,
0: what what was the last part? I said, oh,
1: yeah, (laughs) besides Hulu. And if you do go on Hulu, I expect you to put a review in five stars only. Um, but you can find me on uh, on Instagram or Facebook, both Nick Waldner. Um, you also you can email me. You can look up nickwaldner.com or waldnerwinnersteam.com or failforwardfriday.com. It's got all my contact information. I'm always open to helping people, and I say this every time because 99% of you will never reach out, so it's not that big of a deal for me to say it. But one or two of you will. And that's the person who's going to go the furthest because they're willing to put themselves out there and willing to ask.
0: Totally agree, man.
1: Totally agree with that.
0: All right, that was fun. Anything else that I did? I miss anything?
1: Um. Oh, I guess the, the last thing that I didn't talk about is uh, you know, the the ancillary businesses or the verticals that we're growing. When you're letting go of control of the real estate world, what are you doing to build other ancillary businesses that that fit right in line with that, so that's been really exciting to me. And I'm looking at mortgage insurance, um, uh, title, and how to build those so that they're connected to my business. So if we do 500 units, we also do 500 here, 500 here, 500 here. All of a sudden, I can work the exact same and make more money. And I love that idea. So mortgage is the one that I'm really keyed in on. So if anybody's in that world and you're starting that process or you feel like you have it figured out, please reach out to me because that's what I'm growing right now. And I love it.
0: Okay. Remind me offline. I'll make a connection for you.
1: Okay, awesome.
0: All right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to Kevin and Fred Show with uh, Nick. Go give him, a check out his website and uh, follow stock him on social. In fact, just feel free to stop stalk- can-
1: Can I ask where Fred is? It's always the Kevin and Fred show. I never see Fred. Never heard of her. (laughs) Love it. Thanks for
0: having me, man. All right, man. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you again soon. Did you enjoy today's podcast? Join the Kevin and Fred community, part of EXP Realty and partner with us today. You'll get free access to live trainings two or more times a month, live events and in-person masterminds digital downloads to help you run and scale your business, and much, much more. To learn more and join our community, visit kevinandfred.com contact and contact us today. Not ready to join our community? No problem. Continue enjoying all this great content on our podcast for free.